When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Thursday evening as the Cubs drop the finale with the St. Louis Cardinals and thus lose the series, taking just one of three at Busch Stadium. And the Cubs have not won a series on the road since the middle of May, that series in Washington. You might remember where Javi dealt with that little bit of a heel injury. They were on Sunday Night Baseball that weekend, and that was the last time the Cubs won a series not at Wrigley Field. And I I don't know if I have to alert you guys to this, but as Brendan and I record this, the calendar reads August, folks. So that is not a great stat to be reading. They are 0-9-1 on the road since that series in Washington. And Brendan, as we say with many other things, that is in fact not going to play uh, really at all. So that is something that we've tried to figure out. I'm not sure what the answer is there, but... We'll keep trying, and we will talk about those three games. We will talk about how Nick Castellanos and Tony Kemp looked in their debuts on Thursday night and some of the other additions that have gone on with the Chicago Cubs now that the trade deadline has passed. But I want to start, and I'll bring you in after I finish this quote, Brendan, by reading a quote from my guy, John Lester, uh, and he said this regarding the additions via trade. Quote, we as a group in this clubhouse have to figure it out and play better regardless if they make moves or not. It's on us. It's not on them. Yeah, it's a nice boost, but we've got to go out there and play better. And Brendan, I think that this is something you and I have been saying that even if you don't think this team is at the level of the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Astros, they should not be playing like this. When you look at the lineup tonight, the top six, very strong, a lot of good, very accomplished hitters in that lineup to start for the Chicago Cubs, and they get no hit, I believe, into the sixth inning by Flaherty tonight against St. Louis, and scoring runs has been a problem lately for this group. And I think Lester sums it up nicely that it is on this group to be better and play closer to their potential, and otherwise there's not going to be other answers for this team. Yeah, Lester's right. This team has too much talent top to bottom right now, especially with Castellanos being acquired, to, to be playing like this. And I know it sucks. I know it sucks to go out there and lose another road series, but 
My perception of this team, again, is no different than what it was even a day ago. To be playing this poorly, there's just no way I think for the next two months that they go out there and they give up these efforts. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I just think top to bottom, it's a cleaner lineup than last season. There's no way, Corey, that this season will end up the way it was last year. Too much talent. Yeah, I'm with you, and this is a lot of what you and I have been talking about. I think that the Cubs do the best that they can at the deadline. I think bringing in Castellanos and Kemp specifically are are really nice moves and should certainly elevate their performance at the various positions and, and add a little bit of offense, add a little bit of depth, and just improve on the guys that you were putting out there on an everyday basis. But when you look at just how this road trip has gone, it is really frustrating. And I think in particular, you've gotten good pitching for the most part. You had some obvious bullpen blowups in Milwaukee, but even in those games, you give up three runs, five runs, and four runs respectively. In the games in San Francisco, five runs, five runs, one run. And then in these games in St. Louis, uh, two runs, no runs, and then obviously a laugher here on Thursday night to finish it out. But in in general, if I told you that that was how many runs the Cubs were giving up over the course of an entire road trip that included two series against your division rivals competing for the top of the NL Central and a, a tough trip on the road at a, against a hot San Francisco team at the time, I think you would hope that they won more games than they did. And it's it's just gotten to the point where I think that Lester's dead on in that quote. They just need to be better. I don't know what else we can keep saying. When you have a lineup that has Hayward, Castellanos, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, one through six, those guys need to come through because no matter what we were talking about with trades and guys coming to this team and improving, etc. If the core group of those guys, obviously Castellanos excluded, if those guys aren't getting it done, this team isn't going to do anything. And when you look at those guys being your top guys, I think they compare with most top teams in this league. Are they better than the Yankees offense? Like I said, some of those teams, no, but it's still a really good group and and it shouldn't so what's be giving the issue, them... Then? Uh, you've got me. I, I wish I, mean, I knew. No, I wish I knew the like, answer. We have to. We, we have to talk through this. Like, what is? It's been two months, Corey, where they go on the road. Right. They don't perform against these teams. It's been two. The months. The only thing that I think you could point to would be that their approach just is not good at the plate right now. How whatever they're doing to but prepare for months. these pitchers. Well, what else? What else is it? We we. I mean, all of a sudden, Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Contreras, these guys just aren't good and can't be part of a good offense. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, but I, I I feel as if it's more of like a systematic issue right now where despite some of these good numbers, at times, even in high leverage situations, the approach does change. And that's not go- like that's not going to change, I think, this season. That's going to be something that has to be addressed in the offseason. So I think I, I'm, at, I'm at a loss, but at at the at the end of the day, I do think this is an issue that just can't be fixed right now. It doesn't mean they can't win despite this different approach, but it does make things more challenging. Right. And I think the problem, too, is you look at this, this group now, and they came out of the All-Star break and had a successful homestand. They won all three of those series. They sweep the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you're thinking, okay, things looking a little different here. But with this road trip now doing just the opposite, they lose all three of these series. They don't get swept in any of them, but they lose two of three in three straight series here. Th- their record has not really improved over that stretch. So when we were heading into the All-Star break, we kept pointing out that they were under 500 in the month of June. And we thought that with the All-Star break, things would be going in a different direction. And now they're not. So now you're able to look back and be like, this this has been a pretty mediocre team for close to, what, two months now, Brendan? Like, that's a long period of time. That's not a small sample anymore. So I'm not saying that this group is mediocre. I've repeatedly said that I don't think that. But the sample is starting to grow that something is holding this team back, and and this is how they're playing over a sustained period of time. And and it gets... I feel as if like that was the same conversation we had in 2017 for the first half when they went what 43 and 45. Right. A lot of the conversation was why are they not hitting with runners in scoring position? And I guarantee you, if we go back to our podcast two years ago, we said, hey, they're too good for this. 
They're yeah. going to get it together. Oh no, this they're, is they're, a systemic thing. This is not. New. This is a third yeah. year, dude. This yeah. has been happening, and, and there's no, there's, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about the issue. The batted ball portfolio with runners in scoring position is different. It just is for whatever reason. It's different. This is the third straight season now, Corey, and that has to start up at coaching, at front office decisions to bring in this developmental staff. That's got to be one of the issues. Yeah. So I'm. I I, I want to touch on a couple things from these recaps. I'm not. I'm not going to recap these these three games in full. I think we've got too much to talk about, and I think we're Brendan and I are kind of already already clicking here on, on what we're discussing. But I, I do want to bring in a couple things to this discussion that can kind of at least give us some context for what happened here. And, and the, the things I want to discuss is that the starting pitching in this series should have been enough to win a series. And that has been the case. That was also the case for the most part in the Milwaukee series as well. But you have Darvish go six innings, six hits, two earned, no walks, and nine strikeouts in the game on Tuesday. A really good game for Darvish. He looked really good again. He makes one big mistake to Paul Goldschmidt, wrong guy to do it to, and that's it for the game. But you going six innings, giving up two earned, not walking anybody, Wick and Ciszek following him for two innings where between them they only allow one hit, and that that's it as far as no walks, two strikeouts. Like, that's got to be enough to win games on the road against a team that you're literally tied for first place against, and it's not. Yeah. And this is, again, like, we, we keep saying this. We said this after the Milwaukee series, but Adam Wainwright, again, guys, seriously, five and two-thirds, five hits, one earned, and three walks, five strikeouts against Adam Wainwright and his four-and-a-half ERA. You got to be better than that. Like, you're going to face much better pitching than that, and, and they just can't get anything done here. On Wednesday, the game that they actually win, the Cubs score two unearned runs to win the game. That That's what it's taking for them to win the game, is two unearned runs off of Miles Mikolas, who goes five and two-thirds, allows just six hits, no earned runs, walks just one, strikes out three. But in that yeah. game, again, Kyle Hendricks goes seven innings, allows seven hits, no earn, no walks, strikes out seven. The bullpen that follows him of Kyle Ryan, Brandon Kinsler, and Craig Kimbrell, they cover two full innings. They don't walk anybody. They allow just two hits, no runs. So again, another really good pitching performance from this group on the whole. John gets tagged for a couple extra runs in this one after he's taken out of the game. Uh, We'll get to the Derek Holland decision, trust me, probably when I finish this. But he goes five and into the fifth, he was delivering a pretty good start. And then again, he leaves, I think with the bases loaded and no outs or two on and no outs, whatever it was. And then Holland gives up a three run home run. So that adds some more earned runs to Lester's thing. But, but up until that sixth inning, he was having a nice night and, and was keeping the Cubs in the game and another game where you can clearly tell either I need to be perfect here or we're just going to lose. So it's all just to say, like, the pitching in general has really been good enough to win a lot of these games. And again, you go back even to that Milwaukee series. This is on the road in Milwaukee, in Miller Park, a place where it's it's easier to hit home runs. The ball flies out of there. They give up three runs, five runs, and four runs. Is that perfect? No, of course it's not. But when you combine that with the way that they pitch in this Cardinals series, to say that the Cubs won two of these six games— you're drawing the attention to the offense. That that that's my right. point. Like you, you need to be rewarding your pitchers better when they're controlling the runs, especially on the road in these tight division games. They gave this offense a chance to win, and they're just not taking it. The Cubs score two runs, three runs, eleven in the one that they win in Milwaukee, then one run, two runs. And then tonight on Thursday night, zero runs. That's not going to do it, guys. And it, it needs to turn around. And again, I said this in the intro, but Brendan, like when you have a top five of Hayward, Castellanos, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, like Kyle Schwarber, they've moved down to the seven hole. You've got a guy with 24 home runs hitting in the seven hole and they cannot do anything. <laughs> now, granted, Flaherty was very good, very good on Thursday night. 
But and so there are definitely games where you just have to tip your cap and say this guy was really good. There's nothing you know really realistically we can do about it. But and it's not just a Flaherty game too, though. It's been this has been like a week, week too long week right thing here. You know? Right. So it's like sometimes you can say yes, this guy was really good. That's just what it is. He had good stuff. He was executing whatever. But in a lot of these games, they just need to be better. They have to score more runs in this. I don't know how much clearer we can be. And we're past the trade deadline now. They added a guy in Castellanos who mashes left-handed pitching. He's, oh, you know, he's pretty good, a lot closer to average, just meh against righties, but still a very professional hitter can run into one. So a good presence even against righties, but he mashes lefties. But these are the moves. Brendan, there's no more moves to be made until rosters expand, though Ben Zobris getting out on a rehab assignment, so we'll see how that goes. We'll talk about that maybe in a bit. But that top group needs to perform better. There's nothing else that I think can be said about it, and I wish I had the magic answer for why they're not performing better, why on the road in particular this team just seems to be a total mess. But the, that group just has to perform better. There, there's no two ways around it. That's that's what's holding this team back is that they are not performing on offense. Do you think the Cubs are going to win this division? Like honestly, we're we're two months away here. We know the issues. We've talked about them exhaustively. For me, I, I think they still do. Despite these deficiencies, the division is up for grabs. The division sucks. The Cardinals half those guys on that roster they weren't there like three weeks yeah. ago. I feel like. Milwaukee has zero pitching whatsoever. It's basically the uh, the Christian Yelich show, and then that's it. The Cubs should, in my opinion, win this division. But what do you what do you think, Corey? Like, how are you feeling about these trades, these hitting situation like situations? Like, what what do you think here? I think they'll win the division. I think they'll win the division because I don't think Milwaukee's any good. Hater's getting donged up a lot. He's giving up a lot more runs than we've seen him in the past, and a lot of it, I think all of it via the home run, got taken deep again by Matt Chapman uh, earlier on Thursday in Oakland to lose that game. So I think that that's a, a, an issue for them, and their starters are just not not good and not deep. And yeah, I mean, look, like if Yelich is going to go off again, then we'll see. But I think St. Louis is the stronger of those two teams, and I think it's, it's close. So you, you've got it to within one on August 1st here and you're headed back home so hopefully you can make that hold up but it's it's going to be a tight race I mean look again like at this point you're you've got two months of baseball left so you're talking about the the smallest margins of errors like losing these games late little things one run games etc this this might ultimately be what decides this division because you're just not playing with that much runway right it's only two months right. so that's that's a very small sample of baseball and anybody can get hot anything can happen and so I, I think that they pull it off but I I you and I have been on here saying that we just expect this group as a whole to be better first several weeks now and it just isn't happening so I am kind of at a loss to a degree as to what exactly this team needs to do and and what is a hundred percent going on with this group because they just don't look good and you're right like we just have so many at bats where these guys get in scoring position and you just don't feel confident that they're going to push it across I mean how confident are you we, we like thinking back to like 2016 this team <laughs> You, you felt like they used to put up crooked numbers and big innings and, and, you know, 30 pitch innings for the pitcher and stuff like that. It doesn't feel like this team is even capable of that right now. It's like we're lucky to get a couple base runners in an inning and I, for the life of me, if they're going to score, right? Yeah, man. I don't know. I keep operating under the idea that you just got to get in and the Cubs are more than capable of winning this division because it's just not the best. And you get into this small sample size series with this pitching staff, with this talent up top in the lineup. Now it's extended with Castellanos. This should be enough. This is a World Series contending team despite these deficiencies. It's, it's a weird place to be in because we know obviously what the issues are, but we know what the potential and what the, what the ceiling is. We just, it's just, we know what it is. And that is giving me confidence going forward. But in the back of my mind, like I'm thinking, what if this doesn't get fixed? Like, what if this is going to persist for two or more months? Then where do you go from there? But that's just, that's going way deep down a rabbit hole I don't want to go into. But again, my thoughts are, you got to get in. I think the Castellanos deal, the Kemp deal, gives you that depth. Maybe Zobris comes back, gives you some, gives you some more depth, and 
my attention right now strictly is towards Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. Javi Baez has walked on only 2% of his plate appearances since the start of June. And Madden has moved him down now to the sixth spot. Chris Bryant, since his knee injury, has not looked good. And tw- was his 27 plate appearances now, just not looking like the guy he was even two weeks ago. So my, my focus is towards those two guys. Because if they're not going to be playing optimally, then this team is not going to have that chance. It's going to go and look like the same team as it was last year in September. So that's that's where I'm at. If Javi Baez and Chris Bryant are performing the way they need to perform, the the lineup should shape up. I think Schwarber's looked a lot better. I like Hap being in there with his walks and his plate approach. And Castellanos, of course, we know his skill set. Corey, that, this, like, this should be enough. And it sucks right. to keep talking about this, but this should be enough. Hello, this is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Right, and you you do. I think you bring up a couple names like Javi at around like a 780 OPS in his last 120 or so at bats. It's about 30 games, and that's not bad, especially for the defense that he provides. But that's not the level we've seen him playing at over the last yeah. year plus. So that's obviously sort of part of what's going on here. Rizzo obviously in a bit of a power drought for a good while here, despite that grand slam that he hit at Wrigley. And KB just doesn't look right. And and he goes through these stretches we saw at the beginning of the year, kind of a similar thing. But we just need these guys to be coming through with more authority in, in some of these situations. So I do think that having Castellanos in there is a big boost. He obviously gets the only hit on Thursday night, which, you know, welcome to the Cubs, Nick. Here you go. <laughs> like, here you go. You'll get yourself on base, but that's about as far as that's going to go. And you'll be the only one. Yeah. So, again, I, I, I wish I had the answer for you, but at the end of the day, and I think we've discussed similar things like this, like you've got a, a group, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, Hayward hitting well, Rizzo, like, et cetera, these guys need to come through. This is what this team is built on. So if this group isn't going to perform at the level that we expect them to, a lot of these conversations are for naught anyway, because that's the core of this team. And the core of this team has provided an awful lot of wins and put this team near the top of the National League since 2015. But if they're not able to come through and they're not able to perform at that level, I don't really have much of an answer for you. It's not going to go well is the spoiler alert, but I I do want to, we got to talk about Joe Madden, Brendan, because he is driving me crazy. And I want to talk about one thing in particular. And uh, again, I I want to preface this by saying that always a good preface. yes. Yes. When, when we talk about stuff like this, and when people talk about stuff on this on on Twitter or whatever, and this is related to something that Joe said, nobody thinks that they know better than Joe Madden. I'm not the manager of the Chicago Cubs. I'm not in the clubhouse. I'm not part of all these discussions. I don't have whatever data that they're cooking up in the front office that, you know, their special, unique, proprietary algorithms, whatever. We're just fans. We watch 162 games, which is probably what, like, six seven hundred hours of baseball whatever it is over the course of these several months right we spend a lot of money on it and i think that at the very least we can have some fun with it talk about it analyze it and think a little critically about what's going on without the manager going to the media and lamenting that fans think they know everything and that they don't actually understand how a bullpen works um 
enlighten me, Joe, right? Like on that one. Like I, I hated that quote so much from him where he said that fans don't understand the intricacies and nuances of, of how a major league bullpen works and all that. Like enlighten me, Joe. Tell me what I, what I don't understand about uh, how a bullpen works and tell me how the answer is Randy Rosario pitching in the eighth inning of a high leverage game. But a, a separate thing. I, I want to address something in particular that he said today and how it contrasts with the way the game was managed just on Thursday night, because this is the type of stuff that I do think the fans are right to get a little frustrated about. And and it doesn't make them nitpicking or complaining about the manager, but it's literally just sort of them looking at what their manager is saying and trying to make some sense of it. And so earlier today, uh, about seven hours ago, as I'm recording this at about midnight in Chicago, Joe Madden said that the time has come and gone in the season to play guys for developmental purposes. Quote, it's big boy time, end quote. First of all, where have you heard that before, right? I've been saying that on this podcast for two months, probably, that the time to worry about Albert Almora's development was not right now when you're one game out or tied in the NL Central, right? So glad we figured that one out in August. Congratulations to everybody in the Cubs organization for finally figuring out that this division is not just going to be handed to them. But and what changed in two weeks? That's Elmore a great question. Fifth and leadoff in two weeks. So an arbitrary trade deadline prompted this thought. Right. That's a it's a great question. I I, I don't know. Thank you. But then reconcile that, if you will, Brendan, with. Derek Holland coming into tonight's game in a three to nothing game in the sixth inning, turning Matt Weeders around to the right side and immediately serving up a three run home run. Now, we talked about it. It was written about pretty much everywhere. And Theo even spoke on this directly. He spoke about Derek Holland specifically in this regard, saying, quote, obviously he started the year starting for them and then went into more of a long roll. But I feel like we have a chance to maybe, initially at least, target his role where he's matching up against lefties, put him in a position to succeed. I think there's a real chance that he can help us. And so why are we harping on this? What is the the issue that we are worried about with this particular thing. Well, folks, Derek Holland has an opponent's OPS of 1,012 against right-handed hitters. So Joe Madden, in a 3 to nothing game, literally tied for the division, playing the team that you're tied with, brought in a guy who has an over 1,000 OPS against right-handed hitters, who even the president of the team said, we're bringing this guy in to pitch against lefties because he's been good against lefties this year out of the bullpen. In what universe, Brendan, is this game on the road, tied for first place against the other team in first place, the St. Louis Cardinals, in what universe is that the time to bring in Derek Holland to pitch against a right-handed batter? And after the game... Joe Madden makes this even more confusing for all of this by literally saying the opposite of the quote that I started with on this rant, where he was saying that they wanted to get Holland in there to get better against righties, to to work on some things. And the only way that's going to happen is if he actually gets into those situations. Joe, if you're listening, which I know you do, You said literally seven hours ago, buddy, that the time for players' development was not now and that it's big boy time. Joe, what happened to big boy time? We only lasted about eight hours in big boy time. Brendan, like, you and I, I feel like, don't get on here and mouth (sighs) off about the managing too much. There are things that we don't like, certain guys hitting leadoff, certain guys hitting in the middle of the order that don't belong there. But in general, we're not on here saying, oh, I don't like Chris Bryant in the two. He should be in the three. Or I don't like Javi in the three. He should be in the four. We don't really do that on a, on a fairly regular basis. I think that's something that you don't really get a lot of on the Cubs-related podcast. But this is an egregious mistake. 
And to be throwing away a three to nothing game. Now, granted, if Joe was sitting there like the rest of us thinking, yeah, right, this offense is going to score three runs, (laughs) I don't blame him, right? He's not necessarily wrong with that, okay? I, I understand. But, dude, you need to be better. You just said this, okay? You just said the time for players' development is over. And then afterwards, you're talking about working on Derek Holland. Dude, we are tied in the NL Central with two months left. Who gives a bleep about Derek Holland? Who cares if he gets going against right-handers? What are you doing, Joe? I'll throw it to I you, Brendan. My, I'm uh, done. I, I could keep going, but I feel like I'm going to start screaming in a second, and I don't think that's no, good I, audio for anyone. No, I had my anyone. finger on the, uh, on the mute button over there. I thought you were no, I got it. I got it. Expletives there. It was close. All right. Here, here's, here's the thing with Madden. I, uh, it sucks. Like We've been talking about Madden in such a great light over the past three years and i have a i have a joe madden jersey Corey. i'm a psycho and it sucks to even go out there and and say this type of stuff but the job he's done in the past few months have just not been backed by his words to to go and say hey we're going to be urgent and we're going to go up and play the best guys have big boy time whatever you want to call it seven hours ago whatever it was you got to back it up man and these instances where we're trying to trying to deflect blame to certain you know people, whether it's Theo, whether it's even Tom Ricketts for his financial restrictions, whether it's the players, whether it's Joe Madden, the coaches, whatever, right? Everyone is to a degree responsible and at fault for some of these issues where the players, yeah, they're responsible for not playing that well. Theo's responsible for not putting the best guys on the field. But when Joe Madden makes these decisions, it amplifies those deficiencies and it amplifies and gives the Cubs less of an opportunity to win. The margin for error is so slim right now where we saw in 2018, we lost the division by one game, Corey. One game, okay? So two weeks after, you bat Albert Almora fifth and you pinch hit Daniel Descalso for Albert Almora in the eighth inning. That is not acceptable. What changed in two weeks? And even before that, he batted him leadoff. And then with Derek Holland, what what are we doing here? This makes no sense, Corey. Well, Ann Brennan, and we, we just got off a weekend where we saw Robel Garcia lead off in a few of these games. And now which he's was in another, AAA. like, what kind of decision is this? Like, right. What's going on here, guys? Right. And so, like, riddle me this. How do you make the argument that Robel Garcia, who's now in AAA, should have been leading off for multiple games. So you want to give a guy who just got, not demoted, but optioned, the most at-bats in one baseball game, multiple baseball games. That makes no sense to me, Corey. And again, this is this is not to say all the blame is on Joe Madden. It's not. I don't, I don't even think it is. I think a lot of the blame goes right up top to, to Theo and even management above Theo with Tom Ricketts. I'm not going to say he's solely responsible but again, these types of issues are magnified. They're completely unacceptable when you have a margin for error that is so slim. And Joe Madden is right now not suitable to make these types of decisions. He's cost some of these games, unfortunately. And uh, it sucks, dude. It sucks. I was, I, I've been such a big Joe Madden fan. The culture change, the entire 2016-2015 change that we saw from previous years, it sucks to even talk about him in this light, but he needs to improve as well, man. And if you're not going to go out there and and back what you say to the media, don't tell the media this. Like, like just close your mouth, man. I, I have this one quote, too, that I want to bring up, and I think it does summarize the, the change in Joe Madden's tone from now and even two years ago, where after Game 2 of the World Series, which, you know, by the way, the Cubs won that World Series that year, he was asked about some of the uh, some of his bullpen uh, decisions, and he said, "quote The second guessing component to me is part of the game, and I embrace it. I kind of enjoy it." End quote. That was three years ago, Corey. Madden today said, "quote or rather, a few days ago, quote fans again they have this ridiculous concept about bullpens and bullpen management." What is that? How do you change your tone within three years? There's no reason to tell Jesse Rogers this. There's no reason to tell right. Patrick Mooney this. What are you doing, man? And even Theo yeah. is at fault for doing that in his 2018 end of press uh, uh, end of season press conference. 
don't say these things then if we're not going to go out there and back it up. It just you add fuel to the fire and you open yourself up to criticism. These players, after they lose these games, they're answering these questions about your freaking words, guys. Like, come on, you got to be smarter than that. Yeah, and I that was the quote I was referencing before when I kept saying, enlighten me, Joe. Like, tell me what I don't understand. That that was the quote that you just read, Brendan. And the reason I hate that quote so much is, first of all, you pointed that out. Like, there's no reason to put this kind of, like, negativity and, and stuff like that. And, and you hated Theo's words in that press conference the minute they I came know out. People loved you it. were I way ahead it. of the curve on, on hating that language and, and putting that kind of pressure on the team, etc. But... Part of the reason is, again, like, I fully admit we don't know all of what's going on. There's certain days where certain relievers, maybe they don't feel good before the game. Maybe they didn't throw a good bullpen when they warmed up. There's all sorts of things that we can't know about what's going on with this team, and nobody's claiming to. But stuff like the Derek Holland thing, anybody with a computer can look up his splits against righties and lefties. And don't even get me started. I know Joe was talking about, look at Matt Weider's numbers when you get him to hit from the right side. I was about to say that. That's One of the worst arguments you can make. I couldn't (laughs) believe that I heard Joe Madden make that argument. Turning a hitter around to his worst side doesn't make your pitcher better. Guys, why would that be the case? Like, if Matt Wieters was hitting against people like Derek Holland from the right side all the time, he'd be a better hitter as a righty. Like, that is one of the worst arguments you could make. You need to put your player in the position to succeed, not the opponent in their worst situation. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. And I couldn't believe that Joe said it. But part of the reason that I hate this so much is that a lot of us do understand how a bullpen works. A lot of us can look up handedness splits or, you know, say like, oh, this guy only throws high velocity and this guy kills high velocity. It doesn't take the the notion that Joe is is sort of like putting it out there that it takes a genius to understand this stuff is is really annoying. And Again, like I said at the beginning, we're all spending a ton of time on this. God forbid we have a discussion about it or, or, you know, try to engage with this stuff a little bit more, right? Like we should all just shut up and just take whatever Joe does and that's just it. That doesn't make any sense. But also like, Brendan, you played baseball for a very long time, like most of your life. A lot of people on Twitter and, and that are part of these newspapers, radio stations, blogs, whatever it is, they've been writing about baseball for decades, some of these people. That doesn't mean that they're smart. That doesn't mean that they even know what they're talking about. But at the very least, they've been engaging with this for a long time. Like you guys know me personally, I've worked in front offices before on player development, scouting, video, etc. What don't I understand about how a bullpen works, Joe? Like you made a dumb move tonight on Thursday night. You've made dumb moves over the past. Like, it's it's fair for people to call you on that. And I think you're right, Brendan. It's a weird vibe that he's sort of like changed his tune on that. Instead of embracing it and blocking it out or thinking it's funny, I mean, he used now to spin it like those off to be irking the, him. Right. He used to spin those off in positive notes. He does right. not do that anymore. And again, the, the reason I hate it so much is because after the game— the players get asked about it. They get asked about the deficiencies with runners in scoring position all the time. Why do you think that's amplified? When Jesse Rogers and uh, Mark Gonzalez, when they go into Joe's office, look at Joe. Look at his demeanor. Look at what he says. His hand is on his face. He says, I have no idea what's going on. The players got to do better. Okay, Joe, let's go on to the, the, to the clubhouse and ask Anthony Rizzo what's going on. Right. That's, that can't happen. And for Joe, he's been such a great communicator over the past first few, three years with the team. This is, I'm like losing my mind right now. I'm literally losing my mind thinking about this because never in my in my worst nightmares did I think that Joe Madden can't communicate appropriately. What is going on, Corey? Right. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, <sighs> it's, it's very frustrating. And I, and I think the key here is that I would say every team probably has issues with their managers, some to a much greater degree, some to a lesser degree. And the key, though, is that when you're in a division race where you have the top three teams separated by just a couple games, 
every decision matters. And I think you were dead on, Brendan. This does not mean that Theo gave him a perfect roster or that Tom Ricketts spent enough money to make this a perfect roster in their competitive window. I think both of those two guys failed in in those regards on their own. But these decisions matter. Spending a few games with Robel Garcia at the leadoff spot matters in a two-month sample that's going to decide the division. Using Derek Holland in a situation that he was explicitly not brought into, right, that matters in a playoff race. I mean, I can, I, I remember the article, Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation tweeted this out the minute they got Derek Holland. And he said, I know you're looking at his numbers and you're probably kind of meh on it, but just know this, he's been good against lefties. He's been awful against righties. So if he gets in there against righties, you can rage. And it was, what is this, his third appearance on the team, Brendan? It took three outings for this <laughs> to happen? seventh inning, Corey. In the, come on, come man. On. Like, come we, on. we got to be better than this. This stuff matters at the end of the day. And just like John Lester was saying, everybody in this clubhouse needs to be better. The offense needs to be better. Joe Madden needs to be better. He said eight hours ago from this recording that it was... T- enough of worrying about player development and that didn't last for one freaking game okay you got to be better and at the very least get your messaging together okay figure out what you're saying to the media and then try to act on it if you're going to make it worthwhile to say so it's it's frustrating brendan I, I again like i don't think we rail on madden that much i think early in a lot of these years we've defended him and said like especially early in the year like he didn't sign daniel descalso like what do you want him to do about it like right. that's who's on the roster right early in the year like Carl, Brock, those guys blowing those games in those early series on the road against Atlanta and Milwaukee. Like, he didn't put those guys on the roster. At some point, he's got to use those guys. He's got to see what they have. He can't just use C-Sheck every day, right? And then we yell at him for using C-Sheck every day <laughs> later in the year. So there's a lot of stuff that he he you can't necessarily blame him for. You have to at least give him somewhat of a pass for. But a lot of this stuff is really adding up over these last few weeks, and it's, it's, it's getting very frustrating. But I, I, I don't want to just sit here and rail on Joe all night. I, I do want to transition to a couple things that I brought up before and and just get your thoughts, Brendan, on, on what you're thinking the projection here going forward is going to be. So Cole Hamels is going to start for the Chicago Cubs on Saturday against the Milwaukee Brewers. He's going to be back. He's looked healthy and, and good. I think the Velo reports and everything have been good from those starts in the minor leagues. And Ben Zobrist is going to get out on a rehab stint. He's going to start with the South Bend Cubs, and he needs to be activated by the 31st of August to be eligible for the playoffs. So Obviously, that's a considerable amount of time, uh, probably much more than he would need. But in case it, it is a slow burn, he doesn't look good or he's uncomfortable emotionally, whatever it might be, I don't really know what to expect here. He needs to be back on the team by the 31st if you're going to have him in the fold for the playoffs there. So yeah. uh, wanted to just get your thoughts on what you're thinking about from Hamels in particular, anything that that you're expecting there, any worries about lingering issues with the injury there, and just what what is your realistic expectation for Ben Zobris? This is kind of uncharted territory for you and I as far as talking about this team. This is a unique situation that Zobris is in, and I don't really know how to I don't know what to expect. I don't know whether to expect him to be a shell of himself, his normal self. I, I, I really don't know. And and I think the fact that obviously he's 38 years old, so this is not some young guy, just some easy situation. But but what are you looking for here from him? I have zero expectations for Ben Zobrist. I, I hate to say it, but he has not even been playing baseball or training to be in baseball shape. For the past few months, I was reading um, about how he's going to uh, Class A in South Bend to get into baseball shape for three weeks. Like, he has not been doing anything, Corey. He's been so preoccupied, justifiably so, with real life stuff. So, as a fan, I have zero expectations for, for Ben Zobris. But if there are any silver linings, like even last year, he had his highest batting average of his career at 305. He produced 25% more runs than your average hitter. He had a great year, one of his best years as a player, as a 37-year-old. So, you know, he's a guy who, if anyone's going to do it and come back in this type of hiatus, maybe it is Ben Zobris, but I'm not going to be expecting 
anything at all. For Cole Hamels, you, you like baited me there. Are you worried about any lingering issues? Yeah, I'm worried about lingering issues. I The, the obliques always scare me because you never know the lasting effects. You don't know what's going to happen to his velocity. You don't know if there's going to be any type of mechanical shift. And one of the reasons I think is it's kind of disconcerting is just because he's had oblique injuries that he said changed his mechanics. He changed his mechanics, what was that, in 2017 after his oblique injury? So yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned with that, but Hamels will learn from that past experience. And I think monitoring that in the first game or two, you'll be able to tell if he's healthy and ready to go. So I don't have an overwhelming sense of concern. It's just in the back of my mind, it's like, huh, like, you know, hopefully he goes out there and he's repeating his consistent mechanics because if he goes back into that 2017 stage post-injury, then yeah, it may not be the best. But I don't expect that to happen. I expect Hamels to handle this. He knows what he's doing. He said he'd be very, very careful with coming back. And I trust his judgment in coming back right now. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you, especially on Hamels. I think he was pretty open about his coming back too early the first time this particular injury happened and knowing that he did that. So I think that he's probably got a pretty good idea of where his body's at and, and what this should feel like. And, and he would know if there's something off. I think obviously anytime you have a guy coming back from injury, you give him a little leeway that maybe he's not as, as tight and, and, and succinct as we saw him when he left off, when he was on a real terror for this team. But I, I expect him to come back and be good, and obviously it'll be good to have him back out on the mound. As far as Zobrist, I have no clue, man. I, he's one of those guys where it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he comes back and is just normal Ben Zobrist, he's just like it up. Yeah. classic slash line, yeah, doing his mean, thing, yeah. veteran presence, and... I, it wouldn't surprise me, and it also wouldn't surprise me if he just doesn't have it anymore. I mean, because at, at the end of the day, when you have a guy that's 38 years old, you're kind of waiting for that to happen anyway, and you throw in this emotional situation. What is his mental standpoint? What's it going to be like when he's getting in front of big crowds, big crowds on the road? I, I don't know. So I, I think that that is to be seen, but I do think that if he is able to come back and be anywhere close to the player that he was. And even if only in the sense of providing professional at-bats, that's something that's obviously a hallmark of his game, seeing a lot of pitches, not wasting swings, not wasting at-bats, doing those little things at the plate. I, I do believe that that has a ripple effect on the rest of the team. I, I think that it's no coincidence we're having these discussions about the offense and Zobrist hasn't been here. Now, he has been here other times when they were having these struggles, but you, you get what I mean. I do think that yeah. having that presence and just him setting that example of, here's what I'm seeing from this pitcher today. Here's how I'm approaching this, and here how is how I'm going about these at-bats. I do think that that's something those other guys look at. I think that Zobrist is one of those players that other guys in this dugout, they look to to be kind of a, a, a guiding point for what's going on that night, what that pitcher is bringing to the plate, and what they maybe can be doing to improve their at-bats. If Zobris is being patient and they're up there hacking at the first pitch, that I think is is something that you might look inward and say, okay, maybe I'm a little off on this. Maybe I need to rethink my approach when I go up there if Ben Zobrist, of all people, is approaching in a completely different way. So I think the hope is that he can be anywhere close to his normal self. And I think you've got such a large group. You've got this big pile of position players now that you're trying to figure out what to do with and and where they're going to get playing time, etc. I don't think you're asking him to play that much. I think if he can come in and be productive in some starts every week, maybe off the bench most of the time, I, I think that that might be all they would need him to do. But I think his presence in this clubhouse and in this lineup has been missed, and I think it would be a, a welcomed one to get back there. So obviously, we're, we're hoping for the best there, rooting for the best, and hoping too that, you know, now if he's willing to make this this comeback, that everything in so much as he can has been handled in his personal life and that he's in a good place. You know, like I think at the end of the day, he's been a model citizen for the Chicago Cubs. And, and throughout his whole career, he's obviously, I don't think we need to remind you guys, provided a lot of really big moments for this team. So 
he's one of those guys you look at and you go, dude, I hope you're all right. Like just not right. from a baseball perspective. Like I, I hope you're all right. I hope that things are okay in your life. And I, I hope that he can be a productive member of this team. Cause as we're talking about this offense for the millionth time, they could <laughs> certainly use it. But, uh, but before we, we get into the preview of this series against Milwaukee, uh, which I will be attending. So so here's the other thing, guys. Like, we're talking about all this other stuff. I am going to do my best to write this ship. I have a very good track record with this team. Been to a lot of games since 2015. I'm going to try to take care of business, okay? I think you guys know you can rely on me for that. I'm going to do everything in my power from Section 216 every day to get this thing on the right path. And I don't, if if it works, you can give me all of the praise. I will take full credit for it. If it doesn't, just blame Joe or Theo or somebody else. It has nothing to do with me. So that's that. That's what I've got. But, but really, Brendan, like, I, I think it's pretty simple. Like, Castellanos adds a, a much-needed presence against left-handed pitching. He, he kills left-handed pitching. I know you talked about it on the emergency podcast last night that he's also one of those guys who he should thrive at Wrigley Field. He should eat those alleys alive. There are so many balls on his spray chart where you look and you know that they're dying on the warning track or they're going 400 feet in Comerica Park and somebody's catching them or they're, you know, maybe a double, but it should be a home run, whatever it is. I think he's going to thrive at Wrigley Field. He has the perfect swing for it. He's got the perfect batted ball profile spray chart. I really think he's going to do some damage in that ballpark. But it it's all about that main core of guys. They have to get it going and they have to carry this team. And I know that for a lot of the year we were saying that they were doing that and the rest of the roster wasn't really supplementing them in that regard. But the pitching has been good, right? I don't want to hear people complaining about you Darvish or John Lester or Kyle Hendricks or Jose Quintana and like I I would think that Hamels is going to come back and be really good the starters have done exactly what we hoped they would all season Brendan they have kept this team in the game this team doesn't really often get blown out right obviously Thursday night that's a bad time to be saying that but it's not super frequent that this team plays totally uncompetitive just blowout losses they're they're usually for the most part, somewhat in the game. And and I think that the starting pitching has played a large role in that. The bullpen is what it is, right? I, I think on most nights, it's been pretty good. If we use it correctly and we structure these guys, we, we work the rest correctly so that we're not overusing guys and having too many guys down on, on the same night so that we have to rely on Derek Holland pitching to right-handed hitters for God knows what reason. I think the bullpen should be mostly fine, Right. It's about yeah. this offense, and it is about guys like Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, and Bryant turning it on and playing to their potential and, and playing to the level that we have seen them. And I think if they do that, they're going to win this division, and I think they've got a chance to succeed in the playoffs. If they don't, then you're going to see more games and more series like we did in Milwaukee and St. Louis, where you are just utterly frustrated by their inability to get that big hit get that big inning, you know, put put the starter on the ropes, etc. And it's it's going to be a long two months here. But I think that's the key. It's on these core players to take it to that next level and, and carry this group to where they need to be. Because I think the other parts of the roster, for the most part, have been doing their part lately. And I, I think it's on those guys to, to kick it into gear here. Hello, this is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with Geico? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. There's a chance your local Geico agent has the same hyper-specific taste in music as you. Yeah, I can't get enough of neo-operatic breakbeat. Do you listen to Kale Bent and the Lettuce Works? Only every day. But there's a better chance your local Geico agent could help you out with insurance. They'll work hard to provide sound advice and significant savings. You don't need a hip, underground music scene to do that. Local Geico agents. Call or visit yours today. 
So let's preview this upcoming series against the Milwaukee Brewers. So Friday, first of the three-game set begins at 11, or rather 1.20 p.m. Central Time. We have Zach Davies on the mound for Milwaukee, 8-4 and four with a 3.56 ERA. He'll be facing Jose Quintana, who's 8-7 and seven with a 4.47 ERA. On Saturday, Gio Gonzalez back on the mound for Milwaukee, 2-1 and one with a 3.48 ERA. Almost no hit the Cubs last time out, so that's fun. Uh, Cole Hamels will be his opponent that day. Coming back from his oblique injury, first start since June 28th. He's 6-3 with a 2.98 ERA. On Sunday, the final game of the three-game set, we have Adrian Hauser from Milwaukee, who's 4-4 four four with a, with a 3.99 ERA. He'll be facing Yu Darvish, who's 3-5 with a 4.46 ERA. You gotta win. <laughs> I mean, as simple as that. Uh, we're getting to the point where dissecting all of these performances it, it, and trying to predict what's to come. We're, we're, we're past that stage. There's, what, 60 games left? Is that what it is? Or No, it's like we're two-thirds through this season right now. You got to go up there. You got to play the best nine. No more messing around. I swear to God, Corey, if Derek Holland faces another righty in the seventh inning or later, I'm going to lose my mind. I, I may not even be able to do this podcast anymore. So it's that simple. Go out there, best nine, continue to have quality pitching performances, continue hopefully to get plus performances from Schwarber, Hap continue to have good at-bats, and KB looking like his normal self, and Rizzo looking like his normal self, and the rest of the top five performing the way we know they can. It's just that simple, Corey. Yeah, that, that's what it is, and and I think that's kind of the frustrating part. I think over the last few days, we have seen better lineups and, and better structure like that, but it just hasn't translated. So, you got to turn it on at home. We, if you're going to be this bad on the road, if you're not going to win a series from May 17th on on the road, you need to take care of business at home. It's pretty simple. So that that's really what it is. And you got to be better against Milwaukee. And Oakland's a tough team, man. That that's not an easy team that's going to come rolling into Wrigley Field. They they've got a lot of pop, and they're you know, that, that is not going to be an easy series. So this is a tough homestand. It's only six games, and it's a, the Brewers and the A's here. So that's, Corey, did uh, you see that t- latest quote by Joe Madden? Sorry to interrupt you there, but I'm like, I'm feeling again. Did you read this? Oh, okay, good. Yeah, right. go ahead. This, this is ridiculous. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So this is what he just said. Quote, when he was, sorry, let me, let me backtrack here. So he was asked, what is the problem with road series? Why do they keep losing on the road? This is Joe's response. He would have never said this three years ago. He said, quote, I wish I could. I don't have an answer for you. I don't. I honestly do not have a solid opinion. I don't. I normally do, but I cannot put my finger on this one. It's perplexing. Joe, you cannot, you cannot say that, man. Come on. You're, you're, you're taking the bait. What do you think these guys are going to do? They went out there and they asked John Lester the same damn question because you didn't give an answer. Come on, Joe. You got to be better than that. That's exactly the tone I'm talking about, Corey. Well, and I mean, to play devil's advocate, right? Like, Joe, who should we ask, man? Come on. Like, this is your job as the manager is to have an answer is for it stuff that like that. Hard, is it that hard to say, you know what? I think the team is going to perform better on the road. I understand the fans' frustration, but I have so much confidence in these guys. I love the new acquisitions. I love Castellanos in that lineup. I have the, the utmost confidence in Ian Happ performing well. It's easy. It's so easy. Come on. You've got to be better than that. Yeah, I mean, man, like, if you don't know, who like, who should I be talking to? Who knows? Like, <laughs> you know, like, you're the manager, like, man. Like, this is what you're here used, to do. He never used to do that, dude. This, yeah. this tone is just so nauseating. Very weird. Yeah, and, <sighs> yeah. They they just got to take care of business, man. I mean, you, you just got to be better. I, I think that I, I still am of the belief that this group is is better than where they're at right now. And I, again, I'm not saying that this is a, a sneaky, like, best team in the league that just needs to wake up, right? But I'm not, done not yet. winning I gotta, a road I gotta series. This, I got to read this next one, Corey. Sorry to interrupt Okay, you go ahead. This, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind. This is, this, is, this is insane. So he went on to go and say, but we've got to be better offensively, hopefully by getting home a more familiar backdrop. I don't know, end quote. That's what he said. He literally said on the end, I don't know. Joe, come on. Okay, I'm, I'm done with this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we need a little more direction than that. I understand that he's frustrated. I'm sure there have been many points in the year where he's been frustrated at the roster that he was given and stuff like that. But 
you're the manager, man. You got to have these answers. Nobody else is going to come up with these answers for you. And you're the one that's ultimately making a lot of these decisions. So if you don't know what's going on, you, you sh- I mean, you shouldn't be in charge, right? Like, I, I don't want to, we'll save that discussion for another day. But like, if you don't know what to do, you don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, the easy counter to that is then we probably need to find somebody who does. So Again, I don't want to go there right now. It's a discussion for another day. Can't do it, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, that's the easy response to that. Like, I'm not getting paid to have the answer to why my team can't win on the road. So, uh, you know, I'm just saying that somebody is. But you got to take care of business here. And and look, like, I don't want to scare anybody, but this is not going to be an easy month of baseball. So they play these two series at home against Milwaukee and the Oakland Athletics. And then they have a four series, excuse me, three series road trip, but starts with a four game set against the Reds. So you go to the Reds for four, you've got three in Philadelphia, and then three in Pittsburgh. So this is not going to be an an easy stretch. And they have some off days in there. So you know, I don't think we're going to have to go through like we did last year, like, oh my God, they played a 1000 games in so many days. But this is, you, you've got tough teams coming into Wrigley Field, and then you're headed out for a lengthy road trip from the 8th until they'll get back home on the 19th. So that's a decent chunk of time. And when you haven't won a road series in 10 straight tries dating back to May, that's a daunting little little stretch here. So uh, especially depending on what you do against Milwaukee, you really don't want to head out on the road in a bad spot in this division. So obviously you didn't take care of business here on the road against the Brewers and the Cardinals, but you've got a chance to rectify that at least a little bit here against the Brewers. So you're going to need to do that, man. I Look, it, it, it gets to a point where I think Brendan and I try to be as rational as possible. And this group has a ton of talent that has performed over large samples. Like these are, a lot of these guys have track records that are several years like this isn't just blips we're reading into or anomalies or anything like that and just being like random homers for the sake of being homers but this is a time where you you really do need to cut the bs this team is not performing well enough and we keep saying it if any team in this division got their head out of their butt the cubs would be in a mess of trouble right now they are screwing around and they have let this division come down to two months of baseball where you're going to be going head to head with these teams a, a good chunk of that time so there's no more bs anymore this team no matter how much talent we all think that they have no matter how good we think they should be they haven't done that and it's august guys. The trade deadline's over. This is the roster until rosters expand, but then it's still just your organization. So they have not done good enough and they need to figure it out now. Tomorrow, at home, in Chicago, it needs to start getting figured out because otherwise they are going to piss this division away and one of St. Louis or Milwaukee is going to take the opportunity. You cannot sit here and rely on everybody screwing around like you. This team has too much money put into it. This team has too many good players that have performed at high levels for long periods of time and have carried this team to great successes, division championships, playoff series wins, and a World Series championship in 2016. Don't ever forget it. But right now, it's not good enough. The manager is giving really weird and bad quotes to the media, explaining some of the bad decisions that he's making. There's weird talk about that they could barely pull off some of these moves at the trade deadline because Tom Ricketts has decided to to tighten the wallet in the middle of a competitive window for who knows what reason, right? Well, the reason is is business, but that's not a good reason. What's Uh, going on? And... They need to be better. They haven't won a road series since May, Brendan. Like there, there's no positive way to spin that. And I, and I don't think that it's us being Jesus negative Christ. or the fans whining or things like that. That is not good enough. That is not the level of play that they sold all of us on in the off season and to start this season. That is not. We know for a fact that this level of play is not good enough for anybody in this organization. It's not good enough for anybody in that clubhouse. It's not good enough for Joe. It's not good enough for Theo. And it's not good enough for Tom. So they need to figure it out because this is the group. This is it. And I think they're good enough to do it. 
but we need to start seeing results. We cannot keep having these same conversations over and over and over again on this podcast. It's got to get turned around. They need to be better than this. I I think it would be a lot easier to discuss this team if we were looking at it honestly and just being like, yeah, this roster sucks. Like the Brewers and the Cardinals, their rosters are just way better than this team. But that's not the case. It's not reality. And it doesn't matter how good you think the Cubs roster is. They're better than these two teams. And they're better than the way that they've been playing. So what we need, we go back to Chicago. We And like you said, Brennan, we got to start playing Chicago Cubs baseball. Let's get that top six going so that we've got Javi Baez coming up in the five hole. Wilson Contreras coming up in the six hole hot and hitting like we saw earlier in the year. Brizzo carrying this team. Castellanos being a good addition. Let's get some schwar bombs from the freaking seven hole and let's get this offense going. It's got to get kicked into gear and it's got to get kicked into gear now. And I'm going on Friday, my first game at Wrigley Field on the year. And like I told you folks, I'm going to turn it around. I'll take care of it. Just go scream at them or something. I don't know. We will talk to you on Sunday evening after hopefully I have delivered on that promise and taken care of things. And if not, you know, maybe Brendan will do it solo and I just won't answer for any of my (laughs) broken promises. But um, (laughs) other than that, uh, we thank you guys for listening to us. It's it's helpful for us to, you know, have somewhere to vent. And and I, I think hopefully these podcasts are entertaining and useful for you guys to kind of just uh, hear us vent and and maybe get that that sort of anger out vicariously I and look I I truly wish we had some more answers for you as, as it relates to the offense like I just said it would be easier if there were more glaring problems like uh, you know when when we do have guys with 250 on base percentages hitting lead off or hitting fifth things like that like that's easy to to point out and be like yeah this isn't a good idea right? This is bad. That's easy to say. But when it's some of these other guys, it's a lot harder to pinpoint exactly what the issue is. So hopefully things turn into gear here in Wrigley Field, and then they get on that three series road trip out east and can turn things around on the road. But uh, we'll be here with you no matter what. So we will talk to you on Sunday after the Cubs finish up with the Brewers. Thank you very much for listening, and whether we are exceedingly frustrated or not, go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your teenager to help around the house? Okay, Mom, I emptied the dishwasher, vacuumed the basement, and folded the sheets out of the dryer. Wait, what? Oh, and next, I'm going to clean Mitten's litter box. Are we in some kind of prank show or something? That's a camera, isn't it? There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. There's a chance your local GEICO agent has the same hyper-specific taste in music as you. Yeah, I can't get enough of neo-operatic breakbeat. Do you listen to Kale Bent and the Lettuce Works? Only every day. But there's a better chance your local GEICO agent could help you out with insurance. They'll work hard to provide sound advice and significant savings. You don't need a hip, underground music scene to do that. Local GEICO agents. Call or visit yours today. Aaron's makes getting the furniture, electronics, and appliances you need easy and affordable. Great deals. Easy approvals. Free delivery. That's Aaron's. The rent-to-own power of the AA team.